Is your job search stuck? Maybe you're not getting any interviews with employers, or maybe you are, but no job offers. Or you may be new and not even know where to start. This is Charles Maxwood, and I'm releasing a new course and ebook on how to find a job as a software developer. The course walks you through the process of finding the types of companies you want to work for, getting their attention, and putting your best foot forward as the candidate they want. I've coached dozens of developers in looking for jobs and have been able to help several people find jobs within two weeks, two months. So whether you're new to development, can't find a great job that fits what you want, or are looking for remote work from an area without a strong tech community, I can help. Go to getacoderjob.com and sign up today. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another My Ruby Story. This week, we're talking to Dean Nasseri. Dean, do you want to say hello? Hi, everybody. Now, uh, do you want to just give a brief introduction? You are on episode 363 of Ruby Rogues, which came that's out in right. 2018. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, yeah, a little bit about me. I'm a Ruby developer at VTS. We're a commercial real estate software startup. We're out in New York City, and I've been developing Ruby for... About hmm, six years now, maybe. You may have seen one of my projects, Fur, which we talked about on that episode of Ruby Rogues. Stands for Friendly Interactive Ruby, sort of an alternative to IRB. And uh, yeah, that's kind of the gist of it. Very cool. So, what made you want to do something like Fur? I'm curious before we get too deep into this. It's a good question. I uh, I really just love building developer tools. And the idea of building something that I would get to use in my day-to-day work, it's very appealing to me. Uh huh. And I'm totally, I guess, one of those people that's like a debugger-driven developer, you know? Right. Uh, I, I am constantly in a debugger, trying stuff out, you know, putting breakpoints everywhere. That's kind of how I operate. And so I wanted to build a tool that, would take some of the like concepts that I thought were missing from IRB and Pry that I found in a shell like Fish, mm-hmm. uh, and try and like translate them and kind of see what that would look like in a REPL environment. So that was kind of the motivation for that project. That makes sense, and it, it's it's kind of interesting. I mean, you know, people can go listen to the episode to dig in very deeply, but. It's interesting to see where people end up, right? You know, where you're building a tool, somebody else builds a library, somebody else builds a framework, somebody else does something else. And yeah, we all kind of end up at a different place in the, in the things that we're doing. And that's kind of what this show is about is how did you end up there? You know, how, where'd you come from and all that stuff. So let's roll back a ways and start at the beginning of your programming. How did you get into programming? Okay, cool. Yeah, I... Uh... I started programming, I think in, I was trying to remember this this morning. I think it was like 09 or 2010. Mm -hmm. And I was like a senior in uh, high school. And I had this like harebrained idea to make another social media website. But this one was going to be different in some way. I don't remember how. And so I started trying to figure out, okay, like, how do you make like websites? I, I didn't really, I knew what HTML and CSS and stuff like that were because we actually got taught that in uh, in high school. But databases, servers, these were concepts I totally had no idea about. Mm-hmm. But I kind of just dove right in. I downloaded WAMP. Are you familiar with uh, WAMP? Yeah. It's, uh, it's this like software bundle. It's like, I think it stands for Windows, Apache, MySQL, mm-hmm. PHP. Yeah. And it was like just a really cool 
I still think WAMP is a great project because it's a click button way to get started with development. It's just, right. so, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So you, you download WAMP and yeah. you're, you're building PHP apps. That's right. And yeah, what was it about programming that got you excited? At first, it was the drive to actually just like build this thing that I had in my head. And so I was actually like, you know, my motivation to keep going was like, oh, I want to see this thing get built. And I really think this is a good idea. And mm-hmm. and I kept getting further in the project. I had like, you know, I had like a UI and I was using jQuery and I was, I just kept getting further and further. And basically I started to realize that like, I was enjoying just the technical aspect of it for its own sake. And that kind of, that hooked me, you know, like I really liked the feeling of like, oh, I, I wanted to do this thing and I spent six hours figuring it out and now it does it. And I, yeah, that was a very rewarding feeling for me. Yeah, that makes sense. It's interesting because you're, you're talking about this and I'd kind of played with programming as a younger person, but when I was in college, I was introduced to essentially, yeah, the My, MySQL PHP setup and yeah, it was just seeing things kind of come together and that feeling yeah. of creating something that, that really kind of clicked for me. Programming still felt like a toy. <laughs> I, I didn't get totally. to serious programming for a while. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I started building a platform for people to find apartments with all the amenities that they wanted. Um, That's cool. I could use that right now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was mostly focused around uh, college students, but... It never came to light, but it was fun to build. Right. I mean, I think with those early projects, you know, to for it to come to light, it's like almost too much to ask. If you come away just liking the software side of things, then you're, it's a huge win, I think. Yeah. Well, I was a software consultant for many years too. And I think one of the platforms I worked on came to light. You know, I had, I had companies spend tens of thousands of dollars on me working on it. And, yeah. So it's hard if it's just kind of a side personal project to see it come all the way to light. Yeah. So you get into MySQL and PHP and then, you know, how how did you come around to Ruby? Yeah. So it was a bit of a circuitous path. Uh, In college, I didn't study computer science in college, but I had a couple of friends who were, who were what I at the time were like, these guys are real hackers, you know, they were, they really, they really got, told them, you know, that this is how I was building my apps. And they kind of were like, PHP, that thing is dead. You got to learn Python. And so I tried to learn Python. Mm -hmm. And this is going to sound really goofy, but the thing that held me back with Python, and I'm probably going to get a lot of hate from the Python folks out there, but it was not that long after the two to three split and just getting like a server and a framework, and I don't know which server or framework I was using, but just getting that up and running on my machine proved to be very difficult because of like certain dependencies needed Python 2, certain right. Python 3. And, and uh, you know, when I think back to like that WAMP stack, like that click button install is really what got me to do it. Like I didn't, I wasn't at that, you know, I wasn't at the technical level where I like, understood how to read error messages and to like, you know, get something up and running, you know, in a, and so that really drove me away from Python. So, but I liked reading the language. I was like, this looks a lot better than PHP. And so one of my friends basically was like, well, 
Chai Ruby. And I found, I think it was uh, Michael Hartle's like the Rails tutorial book. Yep. Ruby on Rails. I think it was like, yeah. yeah, it was like the first or maybe second edition I found. And Rails was that thing. It was that thing that is like, yeah, just click this button and you've got right. the web app. And that was really cool to me. And going through the tutorial, it, it was basically mock modeling this like Twitter-ish clone or something mm-hmm. like that. Yep. And yeah, and that that was a really like powerful book for me. Right. Uh, and you know, it, I, for that reason, I like really bought into the Rails philosophy of, uh, and and I guess the Ruby philosophy of like keep things fun and simple, mm-hmm. um, and allow the flexibility to build on later. That was like a really powerful philosophy for me. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I hear people now complaining about how complicated Rails has gotten. And so, yeah. you know, you're talking about, yeah, just start with the basics and then move ahead. Do you feel like people can still do that? I, I think that you still can get up and running with Rails in a fast way. Uh, but I definitely hear, you know the big thing that stands out to me is like, he's something like uh, action cable. Right. That's like this, this whole thing that like maybe a beginner doesn't want to have to think about like, but at the same time, like I still think rails is probably the best way to get up and running and to build something that you can be proud of, like as a beginner with minimal friction. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I can definitely identify with what you're saying too, because I mean, I worked at a company that was using Ruby on Rails and I was doing tech support. So I wasn't actually writing code, but that's where I got into Rails. And yeah, it was, oh, well, I can just build these pieces and they go together, you know, MBC. Yeah, yeah all of the other stuff that people worry about with the asset pipeline or Webpacker or Action Cable or any of the the other things, you don't really have to worry too much about that until you get into more complicated things. So that's right. Yeah. So, so yeah, so it makes sense. And, and I, I really kind of get why you got excited about Rails. What have you done with Ruby or Rails that you're proud of? So in my basically professional career, I've mostly just worked at this company in which I am sitting, uh, VTS. And I'm incredibly proud of like, you know, there's tons of features I've built and shipped and stuff like that. But just in general, like I... Uh, I'm very proud of like learning more and more about like Ruby internals and uh, transitioning. I've sort of transitioned here away from like a feature or a building role and more to mm-hmm. a uh, DevOps and infrastructure kind of role. And so I actually don't write Ruby as much as I used to, but I still like to keep up like on the, uh, you know, the Ruby lang, basically like the issue tracker and like just, I like to keep up with like how the language itself is developing and I'm actually just very proud of myself because I didn't have like a computer science background or anything like that, that I kind of got interested in sort of the language design and how the language itself was implemented. And um, I really tried to understand that stuff. So that's kind of like one of the more general things. I am definitely proud of the fur as well, even though it's missing some pretty key features, but right. Well, the fur sounds really interesting and, and some of the things you've done there. But yeah, it's it's funny how often I ask people what they're proud of and it's, I built this thing that makes a difference in this way. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, you know, some of the features you've built and maybe some of the challenges you went through and, you know, some of the technical things that you were able to accomplish. 
And then on the other end, yeah, you know, your customers are benefiting from what you built. So definitely. Yeah. So what are you working on now? So these days I'm on a team that we call tech ops at Uh VTS. And it's kind of like a hybrid between DevOps and sort of like other horizontal cross-cutting concerns. Uh, I'll give you a couple of examples of projects we've worked on in the past year, year and a half. We migrated our permissioning layer from CanCanCan to Pundit, added, went back and sort of added a ton of test coverage and really consolidated that logic in a single place. That was the last huge Ruby project that I was kind of working on. After that, we worked on getting all of our dependencies in like both infrastructure side and also, you know, gems and stuff like that up to date. Uh, Elasticsearch, Postgres, run, you know, Postgres 10, Elasticsearch 5, all that good stuff. That's kind of part of our ongoing mission is to like make sure stuff is up to date. Uh, Recently, I've been migrating with my teammate. We've been migrating from our former CI provider to CircleCI. Okay. Um, And that has been a really, actually, really interesting and surprisingly challenging lift for a couple of reasons. The first reason is like we we wanted to use Circle 2.0, which mm-hmm. uh, sort of has a first-class emphasis on Docker. Right. So it kind of required Dockerizing our application, and it was really important to us that we could run tests using Docker locally and on the CI, and we could also you know spin up a development server with Docker. And so it required like a lot of tinkering and, you know, anybody who's written Docker files or tinkered with Linux knows that stuff just is trial and error sometimes. Right. And so we were doing that for a while. And then once we kind of had that set up, we, uh, we got into a territory of fixing unreliable or flaky tests. Oh, wow. And that has been a really interesting project. And it, it, that was actually more Ruby focused. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll give you a little why this problem surfaced its head on our old CI provider. We would essentially run our RSpec tests in groups of 10 files at a time mm-hmm. and then tear down that process and start another Ruby process up and run the next 10 files. And what that actually sort of masked was issues of global state pollution where like your tests would mutate some shared resource or some or wouldn't clean up after itself properly. And then the next test under certain conditions would fail because some state had been mutated. Right. So that was a big lift. And then I think the most thing, the thing that was most challenging was unreliable or flaky race conditioning uh, feature specs and capybara specs, I guess you might call them. Right. So we've had to learn a whole bunch about strategies for effective <laughs> and reliable feature tests. And we've taken our failure rate, we've, we've whittled it down to a, you know, very, very low. We have a much better success rate on our master builds. Right. Cool. I'm curious to know what some of those uh, tips are, but that's probably another podcast episode. Oh, man. Actually, <laughs> look forward to a blog post from my uh, coworker, Charlie uh, McMillan. He's def- he's, gonna re- he's actually working on that right now. Oh, really? <laughs> so, yeah, like basically tips for diagnosing uh, flaky feature specs. It's a real art, let me tell you. 
Like there's like a real art to it. I'll bet. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's it's a problem that I'm sure you're not the only one that who's experienced it. So totally. Well, cool. Is there anything else that you feel like people ought to know about you? That's pretty much the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We only get the good stuff here. Yeah, um, that's right. Very cool. Um, I'm I'm a little curious too, you know, over the course of your career and the things that you've learned, what's kind of been an overarching theme to what you've what you've learned and what you've done? It, it, do you feel like there are any? That's a tough question. Um, I'm not sure that from the technical side, there is an overarching theme, I would say. But one thing for me that has been like very uh, important to my development is like empathy Mm -hmm. and just like continuing to develop your empathy for your coworkers and your customers and the business side of your business. I think as somebody like me who really was drawn to the tech stuff, I made a lot of mistakes early in my career where I kind of just like was tech focused at the expense of my team or maybe at the expense of like chipping software in a good and sustainable way. And I think the thing that I've learned is like the soft skills are really important in this business and, uh, you know, being empathetic to other people and like just continuing to, you know, develop yourself on the soft skill side is like equally as important as just being a great developer, you know? Yep. Like I look at the greats like Sandy Metz or Aaron Patterson, they're like incredibly nice or Matt's even like they're all not only brilliant people, but incredibly kind and, uh, you know, empathetic people. Yeah, I agree. I think it's also interesting though, that, uh, as we continue to see things grow, I mean, to a certain degree, you can build smallish, you know, somewhat complicated applications on your own. But when you get into the place where you're starting to build out, uh, a Facebook or, you know, something like VTS, you know, it sounds like you have something that's complex enough to where you can't just build it on your own. Right. And so at that point, your ability to work with other people almost trumps your technical ability. That's totally true. If if you've got your baseline skills, right, I'm not going to screw this up or I'm not going to look at it and go, I have no idea even where to start or where to look at how to start, you know, once you're past that, you know, where it's it's a competency issue, then it's, yeah, can you work with other people? And if you have one person that goes off in silos, their stuff doesn't integrate with everything else as well, and it causes issues for everything else. So right. your ability to work with other people is becoming more and more critical. That's totally true. All right. Well, the last segment of the show is picks. Do you have some things you want to shout out about? Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, 
FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. I'll shout out uh, VTS because we are hiring. It's vts.com slash careers. That's okay to give that mm-hmm. little plug. Yep. One other thing I'll shout out is uh, a book I just finished reading. It has nothing to do with programming, um, but it's called uh, Iran Awakening. It's uh, it's by a Nobel Peace Prize winner, Shireen Abadi. She was um, she advocated for like refugee and women's and children's rights inside of Iran until she was forced out of the country in '09. But it's a heartbreaking and uh, fascinating story of of sort of personal struggle and triumph and. Uh, perseverance. Uh, I am Iranian American, so mm-hmm. I I just figured I would read it, and uh, I'm glad I did. I think more people should. That's interesting. It's it's always interesting to me too, just to see. Sometimes I complain about things that I have going on, and just to see, you know what? Other people have it rough too, and and in, yeah. you know, completely unavoidable ways. I mean, most of the stuff that I deal with is my fault, right? Sure. But what what a lot of these people go through, it's not their fault. Yeah, they were just born somewhere, or lived somewhere. Wrong time, and it's just like you know what it it just kind of sucks to be where they are right now. And yeah, yeah, it's also interesting just to see how things are kind of shaping up these days in Iran and all of the things that are going on there. You know, and I'm hoping to the extent that people can make their situations better that they do. So, yeah, that's sort of a yeah the you know the recent news kind of motivated me to read it mm-hmm. and it was uh it was a rewarding read i think it definitely put some some things into context so it was good i recommend yeah it. the other thing that i find interesting is that we argue a lot in this country about human rights and then you hear about some of the things that some of these yeah. other countries do to their people and it's like you know what we've got it pretty good like even the people who are legitimately oppressed and have real issues yeah so anyway I'll stop preaching. <laughs> <laughs> no. But but yeah, it's it's the kind of perspective that I think it's healthy for us all to have. And so definitely folks go check out that book if you're at all interested in it. Totally. I guess I should do some picks, huh? Yeah, what are your picks? So one thing that I've been working on, and I'm just gonna keep plugging it until I finish it. And I think this episode goes out next week. So I think I think it'll go out in time. Anyway, I'm doing a pre-sale on a book that I'm writing. If you go to devchat.tv slash get dash a dash coder dash job, uh, the book is the book's title is Get a Coder Job. You can get it there. You can also get the video course and I'll walk you through some of the stuff that, you know, you can explain it in a book, but it's different if somebody actually is like, okay, go do this, go do that, you know, and I can kind of draw a line between all the different things in a video. But yeah, I, the thing that I get asked more than anything else is how do I get a job or how do I get a better job? And it's surprising to me sometimes how many people are really struggling with this to the point where they've been looking for three, four, five, six months and haven't been able to find anything. And so then they're like, okay, is it because I'm not good enough or is it because, you know? And so, yeah, just just having kind of a guidebook and saying, look, these are the things you need to be doing in order to make your job search work. And I have a 90-day guarantee. So if you don't find a job in 90 days, then I'll give you your money back. But yeah, it's... You know, we just go into a lot of things. And basically, the first chapter is I have three things that you should do that'll jumpstart your career. So 
Um, and I'll give you the first one for free. It's go find a users group and join it. Obviously, not everybody has one near them, but you can still like go join an online forum or things like that and get a lot of mileage out of that. So anyway, I recommend that people go join some kind of community. Um, and you can get the other tips um, on there. And you know, I talk a lot about how to take advantage of the users group and things like that. So go check that out. If you go to getacoderjob.com, it'll also take you to that same page where you can you know, figure out what I'm talking about here. A few other picks that I have. So I just finished a book called Scourged. It's the ninth book in the Iron Druid Chronicles. Hmm. The Iron Druid Chronicles as a series was awesome. I really enjoyed it. The last book I didn't enjoy as much. So just kind of, if you're, if you're kind of into the urban fantasy, right, where it's fantasy that takes place in our world, Harry Potter sort of an urban fantasy, though you get pretty immersed in just the wizarding world and less in the real world. It is kind of connected. But yeah, it's, it's, it's for a little bit older audience than Harry Potter. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it incorporates a bunch of belief systems from all over the world. It's, it's a really interesting series. Anyway, the first eight books, all of the novellas and short stories, totally fun books. Really, really enjoyed them. The last one, I, I honestly think that my biggest issue was that it needed the comic relief to break some of the stuff up and didn't have it because the there's one character that provides a lot of it and he didn't figure into the last book a lot. And then and so what would happen is the you know the other main characters would go off on environmentalism or the evils of capitalism or things like that. And you know, so some of these things are legitimately worth talking about. But I didn't need that long of a mental monologue on it, right. um, and and I don't I don't one hundred percent buy into a lot of the ideas around those, though I think you know in in some ways you know those the people who bring up those issues have a point, but but it's worth talking about and worth finding the nuance in, and I didn't feel like it really hit that, and so it it just bothered me. I'm like, okay, enough about how we're destroying the earth. Let's get back to the story, right? So. Anyway, that said, it only happened a couple of times. And for the most part, it wrapped up the, the series in a satisfactory manner. So I did like the book. I just didn't love the book like I did the others. So I'm giving people that caveat so that they're not getting to the end and going, I really enjoyed this series, like you said. And in the last book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And then uh, finally, one other thing, and, and I haven't talked a ton about this on the show. I was talking to Dean before the show about this. And that's just, you know, I have good days and bad days these days. I think, and, and I mentioned, you know, to you that some of it may be related to my dad passing away earlier this year. Though when I have bad days and I'm depressed, that's not what I'm thinking about. I, I'm not really thinking about anything in particular. But one of the things that's helped me break out of that some is just taking care of other folks. And so if you're, if you're having the, you know, some down days or bad days, uh, I, I get that you can't always control that because I can't. But the flip side is, is that if you are looking for a way to get out of that, you know, go find somebody to take care of. For me lately, it's been my mom. Uh, she's been moving. She needed stuff fixed at her house. Long story, but she's needed stuff fixed at her house. So things like that, right? Or just getting yeah. in and accomplishing something is the other thing that I found there. So... I know it's not foolproof. I know some people need actual professional help or chemical help to feel okay. But for me, this is kind of a new thing. And I don't know if it's a permanent thing. And so I don't know if I want to go on medication or anything like that yet. And so, you know, this has been something that's kind of helped me out with that. So I'm just going to mention that and, you know, give people a shot at, you know what, maybe there's something you can do 
you know, before you get on drugs, then you have to wean yourself off of or things like that. You know, the, the consequences of helping somebody out are much uh, less severe, I guess. So Yeah, definitely. It's a good tip. All right. Well, um, Dean, one last question. If people want to find you online, where do they go? So I think the best pl- place to find me is uh, Nasseri.io, which is my website. And uh, there's an email in there if you need to reach out to me. I used to be on Twitter. I'm not anymore. So that's pretty much the only place online left to find me. Gotcha. All right. Well, uh, thank you for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's fun. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up and we will catch everyone next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.